This is the Honest CEO Show, hosted by the Honest CEO, Caroline Kennedy. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and motivated by the honest stories from passionate, extraordinary business people who share their ups and downs and their learnings on the journey to building success in business. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining me. It's great to have you here today. Family business equates to about 70% of all business in Australia with an average turnover of $12 million and the wealth of the sector is estimated at $4.3 trillion. So family business is important to our economy. Today, my guest is Dominic Leone, and he's the Managing Director of COS, Complete Office Supplies. We're going to talk about his journey from immigrant to head of Australia's only privately owned national office supplies business, which has an annual turnover of $130 million. This episode is key for any business that wants to scale. Dominic's story is one of family, perseverance and passion. He grew his business from zero revenue startup company to $130 million turnover. He fled Egypt following the 1967 Six-Day War. And Dominic and his family settled in Western Sydney with almost nothing to start a new life. And what a life he's built. Welcome to the show, Dominic, and congratulations on building such a successful family business. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Now, your family migrated to Australia when you were 13 years of age. You had little in terms of material possessions. However, your family did own a small business in Egypt, and in 1976, at the age of 22, you started a local office stationery business selling mainly typewriters, ribbons and carbon paper. Tell us about that. Uh, well, yes, you're, you're right. We emigrated from Egypt in the uh, in the late 60s. Uh, my father did have a, uh, a very, very small shop uh, which uh, fixed typewriters. And I guess I used to help him as a, as a young child and that remained in the blood, so to speak. In Australia, I got uh, I got a job uh, as a salesperson for a uh, what was then a stationery company or a supplies company, and uh, at the age of 21, uh, after having an argument with uh, my CEO back then, uh, I decided that I would uh, start my own uh, with a very very simple concept: if I buy something for a dollar and sell it for a dollar twenty, I should be able to survive. <laughs> Now, 40 years on, you've grown the business to have an annual revenue turnover of $130 million, and you sell over 21,000 products. You have over 350 staff and warehouses and offices in every Australian state and territory, servicing more than 5,000 business customers. So I think that you were right on the mark in terms of, well, if I buy something for a dollar and sell it for 20 cents, I should be able to have a business because you clearly have built a very strong business. But whilst you're successful now, I'm sure the early days were challenging for you. Can you tell us about those early days? Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's that it's been a challenge. And uh, so I guess the, 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 the I started the business from the point of view of I just didn't want to work for the man. 
and if I could uh, make enough money uh, as as I would a wage, that's great. And and then later I, I decided to actually build it as a business to where it is today. I uh, came very very close to uh, uh, to shutting the shutting the shop, so to speak, back in the uh, uh, back in the early eighties. Uh, I uh, I made a, a big a big strategic mistake. I had a situation where I decided that I would go into the retail business uh, uh, and opened up a couple of stores uh, off the back of getting some money from my father. So my father retired working for the Navy, and I no, and I noticed that he'd got his superannuation payment, and I I went to him as a young entrepreneur and said to my father, Dad, if you give me that money, uh, I'll make you millions. And uh, he did give me every cent of it, and uh, within 18 months, I had lost everything. Uh, so uh, it was a, a major, a major lesson uh, to the point that these days I say to young entrepreneurs, you know, go broke early, uh, <laughs> uh, because it's uh, it's kind of great training for uh, uh, for the future. Yeah. Well, you certainly need to be resilient nowadays and back then as well as an entrepreneur, didn't you? That's correct. Yes, I think resilient uh, is is a great word. Uh, persistence. Yeah. Uh, certainly, you know, uh, it, the business is very successful today, but it's taken it's taken a lot of persistence over many, many, many years to get it to this point. Yeah. And what has been the catalyst for success in your business? I think I think a key. Uh, uh, as I started to learn about uh, business and, and, and expanding the business, I guess taking the point of view of creating a bigger business rather than just making a wage, if you like, or having a small niche, it became very clear to me that to become more customer-centric was important. Uh, so uh, I guess in, in the late 80s, uh, I, I, I became a mentee of a gentleman called Robert Kiyosaki, who became quite famous these days with his... Uh, uh, franchise, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, and uh, we were constantly talking about how do you add more value to the customer? How do you add more value to the customer? So uh, at cars or complete office supplies, the, 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 the customer is at the center of everything that we do. Yeah. And I can see that. That is very evident, actually. And and I believe in being customer centric and culture culture centric, and in business it is really par- paramount. And I, you know, as I said, I can see that you put the the customer at the heart of everything that you do, and I know that the rest follows when that occurs. So, tell me how you've done that. Uh, well, I, I mean, one of the things you can't do it by yourself. So obviously, there's a there's a there's a team of people here, and as you said it in your introduction, it's 350 people today. So trying to get that message across the business to put the customer first on everything that we do gets to be a bigger and bigger challenge. So I have multiple ways of constantly communicating that, not just to to the executive team, which we do uh, on a weekly basis, but for instance, we have. Uh, you know, monthly get together where I, I have uh, lunch with the whole team uh, and, you know, we speak about uh, being customer centric and customer centric, whether whether you're the salesperson, whether you're the person in the warehouse that's, that's uh, putting product in a box, whether you're the, you're the, the uh, truck driver, uh, 
delivering uh, product and the, and the, and the, the, the receptionist says to you, look, can you put the product upstairs? Uh, it's all part of being uh, putting the customer putting the customer first. And in terms of uh, being customer centric, so that's internally, uh, externally, what do you do to understand, I suppose, the problems or the needs of the customer? Yeah, well, uh, there's there's one of the, one of the key things that uh, all all my executive teams must spend time with customers. So uh, they have to go out and spend a certain amount of their time in the month with customers, and that helps us then when we're, we're in the boardroom understanding uh, uh, what the needs of the customers are today. And there's certainly uh, massive differences. Uh, in 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 the needs from where we started or even where it was five years ago uh, to what it is today. Yeah. And I always talk about the importance of remaining relevant to your customer because a lot of businesses do find themselves becoming very internally focused. But at the end of the day, it's not about, well, it. I mean, it is, you know, the internal aspects are important, but Without your customers, you don't have a business. So getting those insights and understanding exactly where you're hitting the mark for your customers, perhaps where you're not and where you need to improve is just integral. And as you say, it, it just it evolves continually, the demands, and particularly as the, the marketplace shifts. And I know innovation is one of the key elements in remaining relevant in this ever-changing market, no matter what industry you're in. And I know that complete office supplies have really, I suppose, valued innovation and and using it to grow the business. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, I think I think I guess the innovation for me is like I also say you know you got you got to you got to understand the edges of what's going on uh, uh, in your space in the industry and also potential. Uh, of other other industries that are looking uh, that are eyeing your space off, if you like, and you you're, you did say at the beginning that we started this business selling typewriter ribbons and carbon paper, which both of those products, of course, are non-existent today, and a number of the audience won't even know what that is. Uh, we are, uh, if you in the, in the 80s and 90s, we're we're a stationary company. Uh, Today, we're, we're living in a digital world that's making stationery completely redundant. There's less paper being used today than ever before. So having to move with the time, whether it's uh, on the product that we that we offer to the customer or the services that we offer to the customer, uh, it changes. Uh, it, uh, you know, to give you some ideas, for instance, we do uh, one, one of our large customers in the city, uh, one of the big banks, we go in there at three o'clock in the morning fill their cupboards, we're out of there by six before any employee has showed up. Uh, and, and you know, when, when people come in the next morning, it's all, uh, it's, it's all fulfilled and the, cupboard, the cupboards are full. I keep myself up to date by, uh, by traveling. So I, I, I visit other people in the same space in various parts of the world. I've visited throughout the United States, Canada, Japan. Uh, Europe, I, 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 I constantly try and see what the uh, uh, what's what's in the space, what's coming, what's coming into the future. Yeah, yeah, and technology, I know, has played a key part in that, and and investing in technology for you guys, particularly 
as um, the market has changed and demands have changed, as you mentioned before, with the digital space. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think I think the biggest uh, uh, we, we've made a significant, obviously, investment in in uh, in the transaction in our web in our website, or our, and and uh, you know we started that many 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 years ago. Today, about eighty five percent of all of our transactions is done on the website, and to have a uh, uh, a website that is uh, you know up to date and and contemporary and current uh, takes uh, uh, continuous uh, investment. There's a there's a team here that just focuses on make sure that you know what uh, that the website is up to date and uh, and relevant. So uh, technology technology uh, uh, not just from a website perspective, but overall from running from running the business uh, it today is kind of it's an advantage. It's a great it's a great enabler for uh, smaller businesses. To compete with bigger businesses, because even though we've got a 130 million dollar turnover today, but I, I've always played a David and Goliath game. My competitor, uh, my two competitors in the market, one is a 12 billion dollar company, and the other one is a 22 billion dollar company. So on a, on a global basis, so you know we're butting up against Goliath, and the way to beat Goliath is through technology. Yeah. Yeah, very much so, and I think it it helps create a, an even playing field somewhat. I mean, it's it's never necessarily even, but it helps you be able to play in that space a little bit more. And I think that goes across a lot of industries. That's correct. It it, it reduces it reduces the gap. Yeah, very much so. Now you you've been assertive in your approach to sales and business development, which is so critical to business. Tell us about that. Uh, well, I guess I guess the the you know the key the key change for me was that am I am I selling product or am I building am I building a business? Uh, and uh, I spend most of my time uh, today as a CEO uh, enabling the company to uh, uh, expand and 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 develop rather than focusing on 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 the, you know the day to day the day to day transaction. Uh, so to speak. So I've got you know de- uh, business developers who uh, are, are there uh, looking uh, that focus on the, on the new clients, and then we call them, I guess, the hunter the hunter farmer uh, situation. So the hunters get our business, and the farmers make sure that the business is uh, uh, well serviced. I like that, and you know I love to hear that. Um, and as a CEO, I think it is so important that you're looking at the expansion piece, but also working on the business rather than in the business. And this, you know, where that gap is to get from, I suppose, the SME kind of couple of million dollar turnover to grow a business really is about working on the business continually and looking at the strategy for growth on an ongoing basis. Yeah, look, the, the piece the piece of on versus in is crucial and made such a big difference to me once I got uh, really what that what that really means. Uh, as a small business, you you you're, you know the focus is really 
let's let's get the sale and then work on that sale and deliver the service that we promised uh, that we were going to do. And and you kind of you end up getting stuck in that cycle of you know uh, uh, get get the sale work work on the service where uh, you know, I I do my best to stay above that and just work on the business. In the earlier days, uh, I would. Uh, have the discipline of saying, you know, I'm just going to have one day in the week where I do nothing else but work on it. Uh, I'm not going to be in it at all today. I'm just going to focus completely on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good starting point, isn't it, there? Because you have to start somewhere, you know. In, well, you have to start commitment. somewhere. And really, in, when, you're, when you're small, you've got, you're going to be in it. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned before the two big competitors that are playing in your space, and I understand that in the early 90s, you know, you saw the arrival of larger international competitors in this space, and they had access to a lot of capital, obviously. So rather than throw in the towel, you stood your ground and stayed true to your visions. Tell us a little bit about that, because I'm sure that would have been really challenging. Yeah, well, certainly, certainly in the uh, in the early '90s, we saw a consolidation happen in our space, and and the uh, uh, the competitors arrived from the USA and sort of started buying all of my mates that were in you know in similar businesses, all sold their businesses, and we were we were offered a nice check as well. But I decided that uh, I uh, I would continue to uh, to compete. Fundamentally, the difference was uh, the catalyst uh, of staying in was a conversation with my accountant who uh, once looked at my balance sheet and said, Dominic, you've got a great business here because you're, op- you're operating it on, he called it negative cash flow. Uh, and fundamentally, he said, if you can continue to run it in this way, which is uh, pay your creditors on 55 days and collect your money on 35 days, you'll probably never need capital. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's uh, held true. The reality is that this business has gone from uh, zero to 130 million simply by creating profits and reinvesting the profits. We've never put any more capital into the business. So that's made me uh, feel that uh, really, the, the one thing that those big businesses had, which was access to capital, I probably did not need and therefore should be able to compete. Yeah. Okay. Your point before was you'd had an offer on the business during that time. What was the driving force behind you really being passionate about keeping the company privately owned and within your family? Well, that's still the same, the same force today, really. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that as a private, as a privately owned business, uh, we can make more long-term decisions. Uh, I don't have to worry about my share price uh, uh, today or what's my, you know, how my results this quarter. So I do like that idea of having uh, having it privately owned. Uh, since we, since the, the, as a business, we don't need huge amount of capital. So really, being a listed or part of a listed business. Is kind of irrelevant within this uh, within this space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I've got I've got two daughters in the business today. Belinda and Amy have both been in the business uh, around ten years, and uh, we're working we're working through succession plan and how it will look into uh, uh, into the next generation. 
Okay. And, and succession planning is so important and having that, uh, I suppose, that foresight into, well, what is the strategy for the business long term and what resources do we need within that to keep it going? And I think uh, it's looking at that long-term strategy, but a lot of businesses tend to miss that and the succession planning isn't necessarily a priority for them. Well, succession has been, you know, very important to, to me. We've been talking about it for a number of years yet and been very careful that uh, 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 succession, succession, I guess, within the family, uh, people would say to me, Dominic, remember, it's your dream. It may not be your kid's dream. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, but there is certainly, as the daughters have been in the business uh, for some time now, there's, there's some a deep desirability to uh, take it forward. And I get a sense that that is the case, having watched some of the videos that you have produced, but also that the girls have produced and their involvement in it. And you can see their passion. Yeah, they're very, very passionate. They're, they're, they, they really match me on passion when it comes to uh, the business, being uh, having the customer at the centre of the business, they're they're one hundred percent matching me today. Yeah, great. Now, what is your advice for anyone starting a business today? I know it's a big question. <laughs> I, look, I think I think you know, start, uh, get started, do something, begin. Uh, uh, as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to fail. Uh, as long as you you know uh, get back on the horse, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's part of the badge, if you like. It's it's very very normal that an entrepreneur is going to fail, probably you know multiple multiple times. Uh, and uh, the the earlier you start, uh, the better it is. What I've what I've found in my lifetime is that uh, uh, it's very rare that people start it later. Once you start to have lots of commitments and so on in life, putting your hand up and saying, you know, I'm now going to start my own business uh, is probably not going to happen so get started early yeah that's good advice wish I'd taken that advice (laughs) I started mine later on in life but still good now in 2013 you established the foundation uh, belonging to the family with the goal of giving one million dollar each year to charities who help uh, um, others in need. Now, 15% of all of your profits go to the foundation. And I love hearing about businesses who are more than just about the bottom line. And so tell us about your decision to go down that path and give such a, what I would call a large percentage of your profits to charity. Uh, well, it is, it is, uh, it is at the core of what we do. And I guess that, you know, uh, I've been very blessed to, uh, have been able to uh, have such a great business. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of hard work, but there's also a certain amount of luck to it. And uh, when I arrived in Australia, uh, as I said, at the age of 13, uh, I remember very, very clearly, I was about maybe uh, 12 weeks into having been here uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, we were in massive need of help. We had no money. Uh, no food in the refrigerator, and really uh, probably not going to be able to have breakfast tomorrow morning. My father said to me, Dom, we've got to do something. We knocked on the door of a local school up in Randwick, 
and uh, they instigated significant help. And one of those uh, uh, charities was one called St. Vincent de Paul, who came with clothes, food, uh, changed our schools, and did so many things. So in 2013, when my wife and I were having a bit of an epitome at, uh, in Africa, uh, we said, what are we going to do with our future? And it seemed that, you know, let's let's continue to set this thing up, uh, continue to run it uh, and give back in a much bigger way than we have in the past. So we've been doing some amazing things with uh, with the with with the with the foundation. There's a number of uh, uh, charities that uh, that we support. Uh, the staff help us pick some of those charities. Uh, and uh, so far. Uh, I've managed to keep that uh, million dollars a year target uh, in place. Mm-mm. Well done. It's really, as I said, it's really great to see that businesses giving back to community and it's so important. Yeah, look, I think, I, th- I mean, I think that's also one of the other key differences in businesses today is that, you know, a private, uh, a private businesses uh, can do that when you've got, uh, you know, the fa- a family can decide to do that. Much, much harder for a listed company to do that because you know the CEO and the executive team are not uh, uh, it's not their money they're they're usually dealing with with where shareholder yeah. constraint uh, but with a privately owned business we have a little bit more freedom yeah now what are the three main tips you have for other businesses in terms of how they can punch above their weight which is clearly what you guys have done yeah, so we definitely punch above. We definitely punch above our weight. I think. Uh, I think that one of the key things is that uh, you know humans. Uh, uh, business is done by humans, and I have found over the years that you know uh, many many people want to help other people. I've had some great clients who you know have decided to uh, uh, even though we've had this David and Goliath didn't have you know they've given me a go. Uh, and as, if you keep servicing them, they'll they'll continue to uh, to buy from you. So uh, uh, you know, don't be discouraged of 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 the bigger companies. You can uh, uh, you should be able to you should be able to compete and 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 face them. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and finally, what keeps you awake at night? Uh, well, you know, I have a. Uh, Apart from my daughters, I also have a 13-year-old son. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, I think a little bit about uh, uh, his future and the future of uh, uh, the future of the planet, where and 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 where all this is uh, is going. I mean, from a business perspective, not too many things worry me today, but there is some uh, bigger issues uh, uh, on the planet that uh, uh, that concerns me. You know, all all these. Uh, you know the refugees looking for looking for uh, homes, uh, looking for a place. At the end of the day, we were, if you like, to a degree, a refugee that uh, that arrived here. So there's there's some big picture things that uh, that concern me on the planet today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I love about that answer is that all of it was related to family or community as opposed to business and. Um, it says a lot about uh, clearly your character and your priorities. And and before you mentioned about, you know, people supporting each other and humans in business. And, you know, years ago we used to say it was business to consumer or business to business. And I always say it's people to people. 
we're, we're in the people business and we're all human and if we can support each other, then why wouldn't we? And and it's so important that that, that remains strong as well out, out there in, in the marketplace and I think sometimes we, we forget about that. But clearly um, you don't. So thank you. Pleasure. We, 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 when I get in front of my team, I usually say people buy from people. Yes. I've used that a lot as well in yeah. business and it's That's very right. true. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dominic. It's really been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you, Caroline. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Honest CEO Show with Caroline Kennedy. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes for your weekly dose on all things business. We've also made it easy for you by linking the subscribe to button on the virtual executive website. Caroline shares free business tools and resources there too. And if you're stuck and need some advice, book a free 30-minute session with Caroline or one of her team. Go to www.virtualexecutive.com.au and check it out.